Initiating what you've been playing. Hello, everyone. It is your buddy and your pal, Ouch, and this is what you've been playing. So, I'm kind of breaking one of my own self-imposed rules today. It's not on the Ouchcast feed, but on the previous version of the podcast, I did a weird three-game review combined into one over the Bioshock collection. Heck, I even may have had Tony C. and, and myself to do the review together. Because if there's one thing I love, it's editing for hours on end. But this idea was really unfair towards all those games. To lump two AAA titles and Bioshock 2 together, oops, sorry, but we all know who the Black Sheep is. To put all those together in one episode, you aren't able to dig into anything about any of them just out of time's sake. Plus, the WordPress entry only has two working paragraphs for some reason, and according to the PlayStation 4 trophy list, I haven't actually beaten the game, so all the more reason to get back into it. So let's take a look at the strongest arm of the Bioshock collection, Bioshock Infinite. Coming into a PlayStation 4 upgrade, all means considered, this is a really well done remaster. By having the setting in the 1910s, that turn of the century old timey look, it really makes the game stand out even more amongst the crowd. A lot of games will emphasize that 1950s retro style, along the lines of a Fallout 4 and whatnot, but this focus on the early 1900s, complete with dapper lapels and bathing suits that were actual suits, really capitalizes on an endearing time frame of the country. I mean, even the character designs look like they came out of a political cartoon from the 1920s. A lot of highly detailed wrinkles making points about pork bills. Politics, am I right? I think the stage design really sets the bar high for the entire game. I love how each area of the game has its own notable set pieces that make it really stand out from all the other stages. There's the giant statue of Monument Island casting shadows over the rest of Columbia. There's the artificial boardwalk of Battlefield Bay, complete with giant novelty warships. There's even the Disneyland ripoff of Soldier's Field, teaching the kids about the joys of serving your country. It's all really fun in an over-the-top kind of way. Now... This level of exaggeration disappears about halfway through, as the later levels don't have as lively of set pieces after particular time skips and story events, but the first half really does a great job of world building. Even along the technical sides of things, there must have been some hearty updates, as this playthrough was a huge improvement as to what I remembered playing last time. I mean, it had a buttery smooth frame rate, there was virtually no lag, or at least none noticeable. 
honestly, it was a technical powerhouse. I mean, I swear the only reason I stopped playing last time was the fact there was a bug that gave issues to save games. Something along those lines. But this playthrough has been nothing short of smooth sailing. Now, dear listener, we have come to the weakest part of most of my reviews talking about the sound design. I don't know what it is, but this section always takes me forever to come up with some notes on it. I mean, I listen to YouTube lo-fi beats whenever I play games, so it's an uphill battle. But the biggest credit I can give to Bioshock Infinite on the auditory side is the fact that the devil is in the details. They really didn't need to write out a theme song to the previously mentioned Soldier's Field theme park, but they did. And when grabbing a bottle of the Vigor power-ups, they didn't need to replay the specific sound effect associated with the style of bottle you grabbed, but they did. They didn't need to write a mini-script to the puppet shows at the Penny Arcade, I believe you get my point by now. They did have some fun with the rules they created in this world, as there is a mini storyline where real-world songs from the future are somehow getting into 1910 Columbia. There's a barbershop quartet singing God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. There's a shantytown playing a jazz record of Tainted Love by Soft Cell. It's such an interesting little story that doesn't hugely play into the main game, but it is a fun follow-along, tug-in-cheek, I guess you could call it an Easter egg, going on with the major plots of the game. As for the original soundtrack and stuff made for the game, it's nothing to write home about. The voice acting is fine, mostly because everyone is a human being, so you really don't have to do an over-the-top voice or accent, so there's that. But I'm really struggling to come up with a song anyone would remember from the game. At most, it's probably the violent violin stinger that plays at the end of every gunfight, which honestly gets more annoying every time I hear it. To finally talk about the game part of this video game, there's enough new features that blend well with returning elements that make this third game feel fresh. Returning from Bioshock 2, dual wielding a weapon and a vigor, this game's version of plasmids, complete with upgrades and improvements, feels effective and powerful and no matter the playstyle. Albeit, you can choose whatever vigor you want at all times, yet you can only carry two guns at a time? Weird rules, is all I'm saying. The newest addition to your repertoire is the Skyhook, a device that lets you ride around on skylines, which are basically airborne rafters that let you either swiftly come in and get rid of any pesky guards in your way, or let you make the fastest getaway possible depending on the situation. But the biggest advantage you have is your companion, Elizabeth. I think that how Elizabeth is handled as a game mechanic should be an industry standard. She has no health bar, she can't get kidnapped, and practically nothing bad happens to her. Uh, at least until you get into the story. 
What she can do is get you supplies that you need in the middle of a firefight, tossing you health, ammo, salts, whatever you are in need of the greatest. Outside of fights, she can unlock doors that hold supplies and even toss you money out of nowhere. I always found this entertaining as she'll toss the coin from any distance, no matter how far away, and I will always hear the NBA Jam announcer. Elizabeth's other big system is her ability to open tears, giving you new weapons, supplies, or even interdimensional allies during a fight. This is actually only useful 50% of the time. It's nice when you've just barely survived an ambush, teetering on the brink of death, and all you have to do is tell her to point her fingers at a space, and then, boom, health kits. But the robotic allies tend to be a little less useful, especially closer to the endgame, where it's almost nothing but armored enemies carrying only rocket launchers. For some reason, they just don't have the firepower or the health bar to get anything done, and are really just there to annoy the bad guys. And the player, maybe. The last big addition to gameplay is the gear system, which is pretty basic. You have four different pieces of clothing you can set up to give you different power-ups, like being invincible for a few seconds after jumping off a skyline, or setting foes on fire when they touch you. If you take the time to get a synergy going between your setup, it can be the edge you need in battle. You'll find most of this gear hidden in certain puzzle rooms. I make that sound like it's complex, like it's a puzzle from Half-Life or something, but it's really basic. There's a key in one part of the level and a chest in another part of the level. That's 100% of the puzzles. It might be a code book, it might be a janitor's keyring, but it doesn't vary off of that beaten path. The story itself balances the narrative between two wildly different aspects and genres. On one hand, you have the serious social commentary of Father Comstock and the floating city of Columbia, dealing with heavy issues like religious zealotry, racism, exploitation and oppression of the working class. It does have some interesting ideas, like the Founding Fathers being hailed as mythical gods, although it pushes certain names in a weird way. There's a whole cult based on John Wilkes Booth, but it's really only there to introduce one of the Vigors, so mentioning it is kind of an eye roll for me. Throughout this story, you end up helping lead an armed revolution against the oppressors, but then are immediately attacked by the people you just helped. Well, you gotta have bad guys to attack somehow. Then, on the other side, you have the heavy sci-fi storyline taking place, dealing with a lot of transference of timelines and interdimensional shenanigans. It kind of becomes a really expensive episode of Rick and Morty that takes up 40 gigabytes of hard drive space. I honestly like the blend of sci-fi in a really out-of-place spot like the early 1900s, completely understanding how much you have to suspend disbelief to do for the sake of this video game. This steampunk-esque setting is where Songbird comes in. 
I really like the character. I like the idea. But it's basically a non-factor in gameplay. It has some rising tension in some cutscenes, but it's just not that big of a deal. I mean, the icon of the original Bioshock was the big daddy, and you have to deal with those things in every stage multiple times. That's the other weird thing. There seems to be so many strange blips in the story that seem to be more about keeping certain game things alive not so much the actual plot. Long story longer, and mostly spoiler-free, your character, Booker DeWitt, is basically the Antichrist in this super-floating city, and you get outed as such at, like, the big social event of the time. So, in theory, shouldn't the entire city thereafter know about you and keep attacking you? But... In every stage when you start it, there are the common folk enjoying their day, not even so much as bothered as the pariah of Columbia is there. I understand you would lose a lot of the living world element if all the streets were abandoned that early. Although later in the game, there's basically a city that is empty, and it's just not that interesting. So, I got my wish, I guess? Plus, this game did get me on one of my pet peeves. We're dealing with a social commentary thread, simulcasting with some deep thought sci-fi. So why the hell are we bringing up ghosts? It's just a weird thing how this entire series in each game will bring up supernatural beings for a blip and then it just tosses the baby out with the bathwater, and it's never brought up again. Here, there's a better explanation as to why I'm dealing with an angry ghost, but I still roll my eyes about it. And to be fair, that section is really the only boss battle in the entire game. Still, ghosts are stupid. With talking about the ending... I used to be angrier about the final cutscene, but I really was just upset about one particular aspect. Relatively spoiler-free, but I felt that first moment was a little fanservice-y and stood out too much against this original tale. Don't get me wrong, I know why they did it. It was to sell the DLC episodes. But for some reason, it just rubbed me the wrong way. On the whole, though, the rest of the ending is fine, I guess. All games seem to be heading down the road of having downer endings, so I guess I just have to get used to it. Yay. I mean, give me some pomp and circumstance. Give me a celebration. Heaven forbid I get to a little bit of enjoy from my hobbies. Concerning the longevity of the piece, as a single-player story, you will get a pretty hearty helping. I'm not sure how they chunk the story into chapters, but it's about a solid 15 to 20 hours, depending on the level of completion you aim for. You have a good mixture of trophies or achievements to get, dealing with a lot of weapon and vigor usage, most are pretty easy, 
Some just take some time. Some are excruciating, like the aforementioned robot kills. And while some do require replaying the story on harder difficulties. Now, there is a little bit of a reward on doing so. More through elements of the story. Those things where now you know the meanings of certain parts or what happened to this person. Narrative elements like that, those were pretty cool. Plus, since this is the remastered edition, you do have the two DLC story episodes and the Clash in the Clouds, which is kind of like a survival mode in different arenas. Overall, I think that Bioshock Infinite is a bigger leap over the original Bioshock thanks to a bigger focus on the storyline and better living characters than previous games. I definitely think that the sum of the parts is greater than the parts themselves, but the story between everyone and everything going on keeps you invested throughout. Now, to be fair, there really isn't a focus on environmental traps or hazards like in the original series. You might see an oil slick or a water puddle here and there, but in between guns a-blazing, shooting your crazy power-ups, zipping around skylines, and sending giant robots of George Washington with crank guns against your bad guys, those hazards aren't what they once were. And honestly, throughout the story, there isn't even a puzzle to stop you. Which is weird when people try to claim this series as the thinking man's shooter. There's not a whole lot of story-based exploration where you're trying to find certain parts to a key or whatever. Honestly, it's a pretty linear experience. So if someone were to argue that this is mindless shooting, they kinda have some validity to it. It's very entertaining mindless shooting, but still. But for someone like me, who only really wants mindless shooting, this is a very easy recommendation. Well, that'll about do it for this time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Ouchcast. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at JustOuch. Capital J-U-S-T, capital A-E-W-C-H. Or send an email to ouch64 at gmail.com. And if you really want to show your appreciation, consider a monthly donation to this little old podcaster. Click on the link in the episode description to find out more. Until next time, everybody. You'll hear from me soon enough. Bye bye